Welcome back to a special competition edition of The Drop. Stays and I are about to break down the 2024 Championship Tour season. First things first, Carissa Moore, not quite retirement, but kind of retirement. She's taking a step off tour at the very least. We know she's not going to surf a full year in 2024, so we're going to get into that. And then our 2024 Rookie Class Review. Stace and I are going to break down the seven rookies on this year's tour. We're going to go over some of their pros, some of their cons, and ultimately we are going to decide whether or not we think they are going to make the mid-year cuts. We're going to be making some hard calls. But it has to be done. And uh, yeah, if you remember last year, I did absolutely terrible and Stace did really well. So we'll see if that trend continues. And then also we're going to pick our men's top five and women's top five for the 2024 CT season and our world title winners. These are all predictions. Who knows if they're going to come true, but let's drop in. Mikey, welcome to 2024. I've forgotten how to talk. <laughs> Stace, it has been a while since you've been on this program, but welcome back. I'm happy to have you. <laughs> no, I have definitely not forgotten how to talk, but yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, so we are now just a week away from the start of the 2024 championship tour season. A very exciting one. And just now in the lead up, a huge piece of news broke. Well, we kind of broke it about a month ago, but it's official now. Carissa Moore will not compete on the 2024 Championship Tour. She's going to take some time off. She's going to prepare for the Olympics. But most importantly, she's just going to, it sounds like, kind of try to find out who she is without competitive surfing. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, probably not the first time she's done this, though. So, But I guess she just had a bit more time to maybe structure the news being broken. Um, I guess it was her intention to do this a few years ago with... The Olympics and COVID kind of took care of that for her. So this time around, it's on her decision, which must feel really good. Yeah. And this one also, I remember that one. And that was very specifically like, I'm going to take a year off. This one sounds different the way that it's being framed. There's no mention of, you know, oh, I just need a little bit of time. Um, she's also saying she doesn't want to call it a retirement, but I think that's more of a reference to like, she's 31 years old. She's still going to do a lot more things in her life and career. It just might not be on tour, but I'm getting the sense that she doesn't necessarily see herself coming back. I don't think she's totally closing out the idea of, you know, the possibility of doing that. But as of now, it sounds like, yeah, she's like actually stepping away from the tour. Yeah, you're right. It it has a little more, I guess, structure to it, but I, I, do think that's because they've had time and I guess her team and media and press releases and whatnot to kind of run out the message um the way that she set it up though is is very interesting like she's going to do pipeline obviously why wouldn't you uh and then do the event in Tahiti in which she won't make the cut for so she's the WSL just putting her in that event uh and then she's going to do the Olympics so Still seems really competitive to me. I don't know how much time away that actually is. Um, even just doing like one event every two months or whatever it averages out to be, um, you know, she'll get a five, six month break in the middle there. Or yeah, I, I guess you can see where I'm going with this, Mikey. I still think she's going to be very visible this year. This, I mean, we know what she's going to do this year. You just said it. She's going to do pipe. She's going to do Tahiti. She's going to do the Olympics. But are you saying that you think she might come back after that? I think if the finals format changes, um, she would have to show a pretty strong interest in coming back. I think the stats would suggest that she would, uh, just given her ratings in the last couple of years. Do you see that happening, though? Hard to say. Trestles has signed on again, right? Yep, Trestles is on for 2024. Cool. So she gives this year a miss and then not too sure. I think the WSL 
probably be in their best interest to change at least the location for 2025. Um, and maybe that might, you know, maybe that might spike her interest again. She's still, I said it on the podcast when we did the finals wrap, she got a wave uh, on the morning of the finals that I reckon probably broke her heart. Uh, it, it was uh, the, the best wave I saw surfed all day, you know, bar from maybe a couple of waves that Ethan Ewing got. Uh, or obviously Philippe Toledo, like she was just so far away and above everyone else, um, and she didn't win. And I think that's you know it's obviously you know taking its toll. But she's still she's <laughs> competitively she's still right there. Obviously she finished number one in the world, you know three years in a row. So yeah, it's um, certainly ability is not the issue. It's just her desire. Yeah, well, she did go out and say, she made a point of saying that the two finals, yeah, she would have loved to win them, but that's not why she's making this decision. There's a great piece that the New York Times did. They did a really, really good profile on Carissa, super enjoyable read, um, so I'd recommend go reading that. One of the things she says in there that this is sort of what makes me think that she really is looking toward a different path is she says, all those wins, the competitive part that's so much of my identity, I'm taking that away and I'm facing myself this year. And that's scary. Like, who am I? Am I going to be okay? Will I be able to love myself and think that I'm worthy without this? So to me, I really, like, she is, like we said, she is competing in the biggest event of this year, which is the Olympics. So obviously, she's still going to be, like, focusing on that. She wants to defend her title. She wants to be a two-time gold medalist. But, yeah, I don't know. To me, it just seems like she's coming at this from a position of, like, I really want to go out and see what I can be without competitive surfing. Because not only is it, like you know, an obvious, like, a a mental and emotional dedication. But, like, just simply put, your entire year pretty much is set on tour. Like, I was looking at the tour schedule um, just recently with this year, and when you factor, like, Olympic stuff into it, these people are hardly going to be home for more than a week for basically nine months straight. Like, it's intense. Yeah, you know, being on the world tour is obviously a dream that every kid has, but I guess it's much like wanting to be a fireman when you're four years old it's it definitely takes a different shape uh once you're actually you know there and the 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 schedule if you're going for world titles the pressure's crazy or if you're you know a rookie or you know maybe a surfer that isn't quite in that top level you're just bouncing between the ct and the qs for your whole life and it's the schedule's gnarly. It's, it's really tough, for sure. Yeah, so we're going to have a bigger profile piece coming on Carissa sometime in the near future uh, that really just details what she's done in surfing and what she means to surfing. And um, yeah, she's obviously just had such an incredible run um, due to some circumstances, m- mostly outside of her control, I would say. She didn't get to reach or surpass Steph Gilmore, which is surprising to me. I thought for sure that that was going to happen, but... Things played out how they did. The WSL made some changes, and I would say it definitely affected that side of her career and her legacy. But I still think she will be remembered as one of, if not the greatest female surfer of maybe ever, but certainly of her generation. Um, So congrats on everything, Carissa. And uh, yeah, excited to see how she does at Pipeline, which is coming up soon. Um, So the rest of this podcast is we're not going to focus on Pipeline specifically. We're going to dedicate our own podcast to that, which we will drop closer to the air date. But in this one, I really want to focus on the rookies. We have a piece on the site right now 
written by Paul Evans, um, where he goes and he does basically a little breakdown background on each of the rookies. And then he went out and asked two former C-tiers, one of whom is a world champion, how they think that these surfers will fare um, on the tour, mostly in regards to will they make the cut or will they not make the cut. And when Paul was doing research for this, he pulled up a really interesting stat about rookies. Um, So actually, in the last two years, seven of the 11 male rookies have made the cut. That's 77%. Meanwhile, on the female side, it's just two of the last seven female rookies made the cut. That's 28%. Um, Is that number, especially on the men's side, is that surprising to you, Stace? Massively on the men's, for sure. And watching those unfold, you know, whether it was like Jackson Baker or Samuel Pupo or any of these younger kids that you were like, oh, you know, they'll, they'll do well, but probably might struggle to make the cut. Man, that was so surprising, like how well most of the male rookies just came on and looked so comfortable. Yep, I agree. Like it's that number is startling to me. Um, the the two and seven females, that number feels maybe a little bit low, but also more on the the side of making sense when you consider that there are seventeen full time women on the tour, and only ten of them make the cut. Like that's brutal odds going into a season, especially one where you're starting off at the bottom of the pile rankings wise. Mm, yeah, totally. It's not that surprising though if you looked at say the old format with the. WQS into the CT. It was it was more or less the same six to eight women that were on the back half of the ratings, just taking up the top five on the QS. And you know, every now and again, like how often would you just have one rookie on tour for the women? You know, so I think that that's been one of the benefits of this format changes is that you do get a handful or you know a couple at least of of, of new faces on tour, which I think is um you know it keeps everyone on their toes. True. Okay, so in twenty twenty four. We have seven true rookies, uh, five on the men's side, two on the women. And like I said, Paul does a really good job of breaking down each of these surfers' strengths and weaknesses and kind of gives a little bit more background into who they are and how they got there. Um, So first up on the men's side, the number one seed coming out of the Challenger Series, he won two events this year, is San Clemente's Cole Hauschmann. I think he is officially going to be certainly the biggest guy on tour now, but maybe the biggest guy on tour ever Stacey you'd maybe know a little bit better but um 6'3 and coming in over 200 pounds that is a just a beefcake he's yeah isn't beefcake like like nah he's like a Adonis well I think that's kind of what beefcake means too like beefcake is like definitely more muscle than um, flubber. Uh, when I think of cake, I think of soft edges. Cole is chiseled and 200 pounds, and he's like, <laughs> man, what an incredible like athlete. He's, um, yeah, we've seen him surf waves like one foot amazingly, and then obviously Narrabeen was like, you know, reverse Halle Eva this year for the for the final of the Challenger Series event last year, excuse me. But uh, yeah, he he's amazing. He's um, so incredible to watch, and he's incredibly agile. For someone his size, like his ability in small waves, his ability in the air, it's pretty wild. Um, and I think that's because he kind of, he, he hit his growth spurt pretty late. So I think he was able to kind of hone those small skills, you could say, as like a young kid. I remember he was sponsored by Visla, just like a little curly haired, goofy foot kid with good style and, you know, perfect technique and just hitting air reverses in the lower end section every time. And it's crazy to see him now, how much he's grown. Um, and just to give you some more context, we did a really good interview with him um, back in 2023, obviously after he had a couple wins. And we heard basically that 
the year prior, I think he didn't make a heat. 2022, he basically didn't make a heat all year. He was thinking about quitting surfing. Um, he was actually considering going and trying to, this is insane, but be a professional baseball player. He played a lot of baseball growing up, and um, apparently he was like an insane pitcher, you know, someone with his size and athletic ability. It kind of makes sense. And, um, yeah, he was considering, you know, getting back into that, which is insane that you could even make that sort of shift at that point in your life. But thankfully he stuck with surfing and I would say he's, he's become a lot of people's, you know, he, he scored pretty well in this year's stab surfer of the year poll. I think he made a big impact this year and I think a lot of people are going to be rooting for him this year. No, for sure. It's, uh, he has CT power. Like that's the one thing that I think sets, people apart from just everyone a lot of these kids that come on have the talent they've done all the events they know how to surf a heat they can read the ocean really well they've been going to places like hawaii and australia since they were really young so they they understand the the locations and everything like that it's just you know genetically cole's blessed with a massive frame and he, and he knows how to use it um so it's going to be interesting to see he's got five events to figure it out yeah so then on the polar opposite side of that I'm going to jump around here just because the segue kind of makes sense. But we have Eli Hanneman, who is about half Cole's size. Um, and he's been actually like a a very well-known surfer for a very long time. He was kind of one of those little phenoms that from the age of 10 or 12 or whatever, their surfing was just so perfect. And he was so technically gifted and so you know good in the air that he was, you know, kind of that Hurley youth, like the epitome of Hurley youth, right? Just like perfect style, perfect technique, lands airs every single time. Um, so he's been there for a while, but it took him a long time to get on tour, I think due to a number of factors, one of which I think is just his size. He's at a disadvantage surfing um, in at least bigger waves, I think, against a surfer of Cole's stature who can just move more water around, probably has more control over his board when there's power. And then also I think he's gone through a lot of like confidence issues, which is something that Carissa talked about a lot too in her New York Times profile. And I think it's when you you have so much pressure on you from such an early age to succeed, it just makes it a lot more difficult. You just have an extra bit of weight on your shoulders. So Eli fought through a lot of that. He had a scary near-death incident at Pipeline, um, I think in 2022. And this year, he just came back and he just like kind of switched into a different gear mentally. And with that, his surfing has improved so much. So he did a really good job to uh, qualify. And he's been working really, really hard in the offseason or in the preseason to get ready to be on a CT level. And I've seen some clips out at Sunset of Eli that have really, really impressed me. Like despite his stature, he's moving a lot of water around. He's got so much control over his board. I was kind of thinking um, that he was going to really struggle on the tour um, just because of the factors we talked about before. But seeing that has kind of switched in my mind. Like, wow, I think he could actually do really well. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a pretty big call. There's, you know, Jacob Wilcox is obviously right up there as well. But as far as the, these rookies are concerned, um, and again, I know Crosby Colapinto's won a Pipe Masters when it was the digital version, but... I think competitively, Eli's going to have the biggest advantage at Pipeline. And that's that's a place where your size, it, you know, you're going to be inside the pit. So I think I think he's going to um, have to really come on and make a mark there, which I think he can for sure. He's, he's so comfortable out there. And, um, yeah, I guess he's just got to overcome those fears and uh, doubts from, from having that injury, which was, a, which was a gnarly one for sure. So 
but yeah, I think he's coming into an event where he starts really strong. So size aside, um, I think he could do really yeah, well. Yeah, so he, he just posted on his Instagram today that basically uh, this past swell has been the first time that he's really felt like himself out at Pipeline, again, after that incident that I mentioned before. So it's good timing for him to be feeling that sort of confidence out there because, as you said, he could really use a strong start to the season. Like That could very well determine where he ends up in regards to the cut line after Marquis. Uh, next up, someone from Margie's, we have Jacob Wilcox. He qualified second behind Cole Hauschman. So two goofies taken down the CS this year. Very impressive. Um, he has probably the most tour experience of any rookie. Is that fair to say in terms of just CT events, sir? Without a doubt. He's had more tour experience than some fully qualified CT surfers. <laughs> yeah. He's had like 13 wildcard appearances either through Rip Curl, the WA Trials, or, like, being first in line from not qualifying off the, uh, on the QS in previous years. Like, he's been around on the tour, you know, doing at least an event a year for, like, the last decade. Yeah, and what's really important about that is the three events that he's spent the most time in are Bells, Margs, and Super Tubos, all of which occur before the mid-year cut. So he has like true, true experience that could help him, um, you know, make that leap and stay on tour for the whole year, which is really important. And then also we start the year at Pipeline, where he's probably also the rookie who's most comfortable in big barreling waves growing up in in Western Australia and traveling up into the desert. Um, So he's in a really good position. Also, Sunset, you know, he's surfed on the QS for years and years and years. Um, He is, I think, the oldest rookie of this group, if I'm not mistaken. So he's definitely put in his time. um, And I think that that should probably bode pretty well for him. So um, yeah, Jacob Wilcox, I'm sure Australians are really excited to see him. They know how hard he's worked for this. He moved away from WA over to the Gold Coast, and sorry if this is offensive, Stace, to surf worse waves to prepare himself to, to be able to make the tour. Absolutely not. D-Bar breaks 365 days a year. So, um, yeah, but it's shit. Don't bother coming to the uh, Goldie. <laughs> nah, it's fine. Come, the waves are fun. The sun shines. Um, there's waves. I'm looking at waves right now. I think that what the Goldie has is a great variety of waves that uh, you're going to see uh, across like certain QS locations. But, funnily enough, what's going to keep Jacob at the top of the pile is his, his, is his youth and what he grew up in. So, you know... It sucks to say you've, you've got to get good at surfing shit waves to qualify, but that's that's nothing new. And, um, yeah, he's certainly done that. Uh, yeah, I mean, we saw Jack Robinson do the same thing, right? Like, Jack was just this absolute phenom in tubes and airs and stuff, but he had to learn a different side of surfing, probably one that's less um, impactful in terms of, like, how he... Actually, I don't know, because he really has made a big leap in regards to, like, like his the, the fact that he's done so well in recent years and tour I think is partly because like he won pipe and chopes last year like you can't deny that but also he won his first event in Mexico that kept him on tour in 2021 you know what I mean so it's like it's it's been it's been both sides of it well the answer's the answer the answer's pretty simple like as much as we can make a joke about the Goldie and having shit waves it does it has shit waves but what it has is some of the best right hand points obviously in the world and it creates the flow element in surfing in which the tour demands that you have so for me like the two massive standouts on the tour if you're a rookie coming on and you're wondering oh you know like where do I need to be strong 
It's power and flow. Fuck speed. And, you know, it goes without saying, <laughs> you need to be doing it fast. Well, I mean, you're going to have speed from the wave. <laughs> the waves are good. <laughs> like, so you're going to be going fast. And if you're not going fast, you're going to... You, fuck, everyone looks slow next to Philippe Toledo <laughs> anyway, so just figure that out later. Um, it, it, it is the flow factor. And that's what the Goldie brings, you know. It's, it's just that, you know, reading the wave and the tempo and, and all these different things. Because when you go to Bells, when you go to J-Bay, um, which are far more difficult waves to surf than anything on the Gold Coast. But still, you learn how to be on a wave for 20 seconds and only do three turns. <laughs> Mainly because you're ducking people's heads in the crowd. But, it's yeah, it's just a different feeling. It's a different feeling to getting a two-second pit at the box, which is probably the barrel of your life. But, you know, short, sharp, intense waves that those boys grew up in. So... Yeah, up the goal. <laughs> All right, next on the list, we have somebody else who grew up in a place um, with a wave that definitely can, I don't know, you know, make your, pace out your surfing a little bit better. Uh, Crosby Colapinto, another San Clemente boy, obviously brother to Griffin. Um, Crosby's younger brother, but he's bigger than Griffin. And he has, he's had a really interesting sort of like come up in surfing. So, he was kind of, if you watch the film that we did with the Cole Pinto brothers um, and Monster, it's called DNA, and they talk about Crosby was kind of like not that good of a surfer when he was younger, and he didn't really want it as bad as Griffin, so it wasn't until later in life that he really started dedicating himself to it, and he got better sort of slowly but surely, and now we've seen him, like he technically won a Vans Pipe Masters during one of the digital years because of a few waves that he's gotten out of backdoor. So he's not scared out there. Um, I would put him in the same league as like Eli and Jacob in terms of like at least lacking of fear. He probably doesn't have quite the technical skills yet. Like he just hasn't had as many reps as those guys, but he will absolutely go and he will make a crazy wave as well. Um, and then he grew up at lower, so he, he knows how to piece a wave together. He's got good style, and he's also got some big airs in the bag if he needs to pull them out. Yeah, for sure. It's, Crosby's really come on in the last, like, three Hawaiian seasons over there. Um, he's definitely not scared. He He's the owner of one of the craziest clips ever at Backdoor when you get that tube, and the guy is going over the falls, like, on top of the roof of the pit, and he just... Doesn't seem to care, and I'm sure he cared, but yeah, navigates it perfectly. So, um, yeah, I mean, as you finish out this list, it's a really, really, really well-rounded rookie class. They don't really have a lot of weaknesses, these kids. Because usually it's really easy to say, oh, coming into Hawaii, like, yeah, I haven't really been there that much. Like, they're probably going to struggle and whatever. But every single one of these kids... Um, you know, Cade, which we're going to probably get onto next, he's probably the only one that really doesn't have those crazy runs on the boards yet. However, he just put a clip on his Instagram this morning that would say otherwise. Yep. So that brings us to our last male rookie this year, and that is Cade Matson. And he's probably the one who you would say has a little bit of that lack of experience relative to the others, right? Like, He's obviously from California. He's also from San Clemente. Um, so he's spent a decent amount of time in Hawaii, but he hasn't had the performances that Crosby has. Um, he was obviously a part of that 2% crew this year who just dominated the CS. Um, they got five surfers through, if you count the women's side as well, which is just unbelievable. And that's all really thanks to Kolohe bringing all these surfers under his wing and guiding them. And then obviously themselves just hyping each other up, just giving each other confidence. And Cade was part of that wave. Um, he is a surfer who he has these like 
I don't know. He has kind of like a, a venomous front side turn. Like he, he does, he creates a lot of spray. Um, he moves a lot of water, but I, to me, I, I don't know if I quite see him on the same level as some of these other guys. And also think that despite growing up at lowers, he maybe lacks a little bit of the flow as well. Do you see that too? Yeah, I think you're spot on, Mikey. And I think like for Cade, it's the world tour for him is going to be such a win-win. Like if he qualif- if he requalifies and gets on stoked if not he's going to get to really see firsthand what it's like to be up against those big guys because of his seed like he's got the third lowest seed out of the whole tour uh, you know not including the event wildcards so of the of the full-time members he's one of the lowest seeds so he's going to be you know consistently drawing really really tough competitors and I think that it's going to bring out a lot in him for sure. You know, and if you, if you get a win in one of those heats, you feel like Superman. And, and if you you know you don't chalk one up, well, hey, you, you go home and figure it out. True. All right. So now moving over to the women's side. Uh, first up, we have another surfer from San Clemente. Interestingly enough, um, seven surfers in this year's rookie class. Five of them live within thirty minutes of one another. So this probably goes back to that um, story that Paul wrote last week about where do the world's best surfers come from, and you know it's. Basically, the two main factors are wave quality and a structure and support system that kind of like breeds pro surfers. And right now, San Clemente in Southern California uh, has that in droves. So they've put a lot of surfers under the CT this year. It's really impressive. Um, You know, these things come in waves. I'm sure next year it'll be Australia or Brazil or whoever. But for this year's rookie class, it's all about California. So Sawyer Lindblad, she's just 18 years old, um, which is very, very young. But on the women's side, they do tend to qualify a little bit younger than the men. So it's certainly not unheard of. Um, Sawyer is the sister of Taj Lindblad, um, who is another surfer that's in that 2% crew that I don't think he got a full run on the Challenger Series last year, but I know he surfed South Africa um, and did pretty well over there. So Taj is going to be another one who's going to be looking to meet his friends on tour sometime soon. But back to Sawyer, goofy foot, incredible backhand, strong forehand as well. Um, I haven't seen her like surf too too much but Stacey you might have um a better breakdown here um yeah I think I've seen most of her surfing on the QS for sure uh and particularly through those like Southern California events is where I've always managed to see her name pop up in the the finals part of the draw and then she came to Snapper last year and absolutely smashed everyone and won the Challenger Series event here so that that was definitely the most of um Sawyer I'd seen live and uh you know the two rookies that have qualified funnily enough, have had, like, the craziest, you know, Southern California, like, North America rivalry. Um, so I think that could be comforting, seeing, like, a familiar face on the tour. I know she's really close with Katie Simmers as well, so, yeah, it's... Um, but for sure, in waves like Big Pipeline and Sunset, it, it, it's going to be, um, you know one for me to tune in for and really see how she handles herself because I haven't seen it before. Right. Okay. And then the last one is Alyssa Spencer, who has been knocking on the door of qualification for years, like has seriously been one or two spots out, like three years in a row, I think. Um, She's been working with Matt Myers, who is definitely one of the most, um, I would say, effective coaches of the past few years. He's gotten a lot of surfers on tour. Cole Hauschman as well is with Matt. Um, Rio Wida worked with him through his CS run. Um, so he's, he's had a ton of success bringing surfers from the CS to the CT. Um, Alyssa, another goofy foot, another surfer with an incredible backhand. Uh, some of the most like technically perfect backhand surfing just like never misses her spot. 
um, just beautiful, beautiful surfing. And to me is, yeah, like I said, just probably one of the most like technically proficient female surfers on the tour. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we haven't seen, you know, we got two goofy footers qualify this year. Um, we're very used to seeing the same sort of type of, uh, backhand surfing from, you know, two very talented surfers, Tatiana Weston Webb, Caroline Marks, and, you know, Bronte McCauley every now and again when she's gone on a run. But, you know, to have fresh faces like Alyssa on the tour, um, with the right foot forward, I think, um, the judges are going to have a a pretty favorable look on that. Yeah, I think so too. And like Sawyer, it's really a matter of how she's going to transition that surfing to a larger canvas, essentially. Places like Sunset, if Bells gets big, if Margie's is big, we've seen her do it time and time again in, you know, fun size surf on the Challenger Series and even at spots like Haleiwa that have a bit more push. But it's just going to be basically, can she transition that really, really perfect technical surfing to a bigger wave? And that's going to pretty much determine whether or not she makes the cut because, those are, you know, three of the main events um, before the cut are just big, kind of warbly, fatty right-handers. Um, so, she's had a couple of wildcard opportunities at Bell's Beach over the years through Rip Curl. So, you know, those little things are definitely going to go a long way to, you know, just helping her feel comfortable, you know, when she rolls up to those locations. And then, yeah, further to that, Alyssa also. I don't want to give away too many trade secrets here, but she definitely spends her time chasing left pits when she's at home um she knows how to invest in her career let's put it that way um she didn't need to read the nate florence interview she's uh always looking at swells south of the border and who's got jet skis and you know having a lot of time down there a lot of heartbreak over the years i think not making the tour she knows that when she came on eventually she'd have to be strong at pipe because ever since she's tried to qualify for the tour, pipe's been the first event or very close to. So I think she'll be, I think she'll be ready. Well, when you say at home, like, do you mean Southern California? Cause I don't know how well Oceanside translates to pipe or super tools. Well, I'm not going to blow up any secrets in. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll see come pipeline. Um, like I said, we're going to do a full pipeline event preview in a few days. So stay tuned for that. But as we're on the rookies, um, I said that Paul Evans got the insight from two former CTers, one of whom was a world title winner. So I'm talking about CJ Hobgood and Brett Simpson. Um, they went ahead and basically said who is and who is not going to make the cut in their opinion. Obviously, this is a prediction we've seen in the past. Some people are better at it than others. I'm pretty horrible. Stace is pretty good. Um, So let's go through what CJ and Brett said about each of these surfers, and then Stace and I can also give our opinion. And I will put a slight caveat before we do this that in retrospect, it was maybe not the best idea to use someone who is works on Team USA um, and is also a person high up in a brand that sponsors multiple of these surfers in here because I don't know if we got the full objective opinion from Brett Simpson who ultimately said everyone except for one surfer is going to make the cut on the rookie side which is just probably unrealistic Um, and we probably also should have used somebody who wasn't from the USA so Uh, It's still a really good read, and CJ in particular has some really great insights about these surfers and um, maybe some controversial opinions as well. So let's go straight into it. Um, Cole Hauschmann, both CJ and Brett said yes, Cole Hauschmann 
will make the cut. Stace, what says you? I says me that Cole will qualify. I've said it once before. I think when we did a piece on the site like six months ago, when, when Jacob and Cole had pretty much qualified by the US Open, we'd already started talking about them. Um, I even think I threw a percentage at it. I think I said 66% chance he'll requalify. Okay. I think that's a good call. Um, and I, I know everybody feels that way. I personally want to see Cole make the cut. I love his surfing. I think he brings so much to the tour. But I'm going to play the devil's advocate here, and I'm going to say, no, he's not going to make the cut. Um, not by anything of his own fault. I, I just think that maybe there's a little bit of inexperience. I don't think he's... Um, had any CT? Did he? Has he ever had a CT event? Just in the pool, yeah. Oh yeah, he was in the pool. Yeah, I, I just I think there's a little bit of an experience. I think that um, his surfing is at such a high level that I think he will find his feet on tour eventually. I just don't know if it's in those first five events of his rookie year. So I'm going to say no, despite the fact that I would really love to see Cole make the cut. Uh, moving on to Jacob Wilcox again, CJ and before we before we move on to Jacob Wilcox, we just appreciate CJ Hobgood here, who might be holding on to a few grudges. <laughs> I'm just going to quote CJ, <laughs> a massive Cole Hausman fan. Yada yada yada. If the judges go full Bobby Martinez and start gushing over his surfing, dropping eights for not doing much, you're gonna see this guy just go and go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, okay. So I, I, I fully uh, get what CJ means there, um, and I, I, I guess you know we'll get to it a little bit later. But I could see similar thing happening with Alyssa Spencer. It's not that the surfers are doing bad surfing. They're doing great surfing. It's just a new look. And Bobby certainly had that when he came on. And he probably was welding CJ and Damien Hopgood all the time. And the boys aren't happy. <laughs> there is. It's not that the surfing's better or worse. It's just fresh and new. And, and judges are human too. And you see it happen all the time with the rookies. Like... Seth beat Julian in a close one at D-Bar. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's just, there's always heats where you're just like, ooh, thought the veteran would just get the nod there, and they don't. And that's where I think the sophomore slump sometimes comes from, is like the judges are then expecting you to bring something new your second year. Like, you look at Morgan Sibilic, right? He came out of the gate so hot his rookie year, made the top five um, with surfing that was just like, really, it was like meat and potatoes, but with a little bit of like Cajun sauce on it. And the judges just ate it up. And then his rookie year, he like you know struggled to make heats despite having a high seed and despite them loving him the year prior. So it is really interesting how how so supremely human the judges are. Like they, it, you really can see these trends develop. And to your point, CJ has some incredible lines in this piece. So I'd really recommend going to read it because it it gives you a real surfer's perspective of how they see the mechanics of the tour and how it all works. Um, so CJ is like so candid and such a good and kind of um, reliable pundit because he just loves it so much. He still watches everything. So thank you, CJ, for giving us your, uh, your time and your thoughts on all this. Now, on to Jacob Wilcox. CJ and Brett, again, both said yes. Um, you'd have to think there might be a little bit of goofy bias for CJ as well. You know he loves a goofy foot. But also, I think this is a, um, a pretty fair call on Jacob. So what do you think, Stace? Is he making the cut or no? He's for sure making the cut. I was even thinking about this show last night and I was even starting to get a bit excited about how deep Jacob could go uh, in the ratings um, back half of the year suits him very well but we'll just we'll just keep uh, we'll just keep the cut in mind for the minute um, I think 
I don't have a question over it, but a question which I think would be fair would be, how does he go um, on the backside in the tube? Because obviously we know how good he is on the front side and how good his just overall surfing is. We've seen it on the QS. But how does he go on big, heavy barreling rights? Um, check out his Instagram. Did you watch Surf 100 WA? Oh, yes, I did. Fucking smashed it. He's so good. Um He's so comfortable. Yeah, that that was a great display of how comfortable he is. He just wasn't mic'd up, so I, well, his mic broke, so I just forgot he was even there. You know, <laughs> uh, but he he got a wave at backdoor yesterday. That's on his Instagram now. It's it's, it's no hands. Very very, very 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 calm, very collected. Um, I don't want to go as far as to say a certain someone's name, but he's 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 right up there. Ooh, okay. Um, and I would say too, one, the one thing that bothered me about Jacob surfing before is he had this like twitchiness to him, um, that I don't, I don't know if that was born from, you know, surfing like waves, like in WA, there's like a lot of like wind and chop that you kind of have to like navigate. And maybe that was part of it. But since moving to the gold coast, like I've just seen a few clips of him out at snapper and his surfing looks like it's smoothed out so much. Is that something you've seen as well? For sure. And he's gotten bigger. Like, he, he was a wiry kid, you know. He was very, um, you know, he's just a twitchy, fast, fired-up grom. And, and now he's a man. He's 26 years old. So, um, it's all, yeah, it's all, it's all coming together for Jacob. And I think, I think the twitchiness, it won't go away as much as probably what he would like. Um, I think in moments where he needs to do something, you still kind of see it shine through. And I think that'll be the biggest challenge for Jacob, just him knowing that his surfing is there. He, he, he needs to just do himself. He doesn't need to go you know, above and beyond to be beating these top guys. He's so naturally talented. And I think sometimes the twitchiness can kind of come from being like fired up and behind the eight ball and, oh, I've got to do four backflips on this wave to get a seven when it's just not the case. It, quite often, a lot of these rookies are super hard on themselves and they think that they need to go above and beyond when they've just got to keep doing what they've been doing. Yeah, he's a bit um, Callanan-esque to me, his surfing, which is the highest of compliments. Um, oh, I also wanted to call out, by the way, you're talking about how far he could go in the season or in like the, the rankings. Um, there's, a, there's a heavy call coming from Holden Turnka of Stab, who you would have heard in the last podcast. He's saying Cole's making the top five, by the way. So um, I just wanted to put that out there in case that somehow does happen, that Holden was probably the first to say it. Uh, all right. So I, I don't know if I said that. I'll take, I'll, take I'll take him on with Jacob. Okay, that's, that's sort of what I was thinking last night. Oh, well, that's another interesting thing. I think I brought this up when Buck and I were chatting, but Bet Online right now has some incredible prop bets for the 2024 season. So you can pick who you think will be the rookie of the year. Um, you and I can get into that once we get through all these people. But yeah, things like that are totally on the table for betting this year on betonline.ag. So go ahead and get into there if you want to. Um, I'll tell you who I picked after this. Uh, all right, so Jacob, you're saying yes. I'm saying yes, CJ and Brett are all saying yes. Hopefully, we're not wrong. Moving on to Crosby Colapinto. CJ says no. Um, he thinks that Crosby is a great surfer, but there just isn't enough point of difference, um, you know, relative to a lot of other surfers on tour who are regular foots and surf very well. Um, Brett is saying yes. Stace, what about you? <laughs> Again, I've got to quote CJ. It's like, <laughs> I hope that they run off the fuel of people dissing them. Uh, as much as I gushed over Cole, I'm on the other side here, and I don't even know why. <laughs> He's so good. 
<laughs> I guess it's true. You can't say you can't say yes to everyone. Um, but again, I, I I would still sit on the more positive side of the spectrum here with Crosby. I think that um, he has had enough experience for me at, at it. You know, well as much as a rookie can have really uh, at at Pipeline and Sunset, and he's got a big frame. And a couple of these waves, they you know they demand it. Sunset, Bell's Beach, and then he's technical on the tube, like he knows how to ride the tube. So whether it's pipe or super tube boss, we get really hung up on the cut on the men's side. It's two ninths. I I definitely think Crosby has two ninths in him. That's a really good way to frame it because that really is what it comes down to when you look at the last two seasons. Um, so yeah, fair call. I'm also saying yes on Crosby for. All the same reasons. I think he has everything that he needs to do well at any of the first five events. I think he can easily make a quarter in the mix in any of those spots, so I'm going to go yes with him as well. All right, Eli Hanneman. This is potentially a, a divisive one and a really hard call. You have one of the most like technically talented surfers of his generation. Took him a while to get on tour. He's finally here. We've talked about the size difference between him and I think the rest of the surfers, the rest of the male rookies are all right around six foot or above six foot. And Eli's probably around my size, which is like five, 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 six. So he's at definitely a, a size disadvantage, but can his skills and can his confidence and his knowledge, can they, uh, can they do it for him? CJ says no. Brett says yes. Stace, what do you say? Yeah, this is a really, really tricky one. Um, it kind of comes down to, can I see like three or four of the men shuffling out? And the, the quality of the tour at the moment is really good. I really like everyone from 1 to 22. And so I, I just don't see that many people changing out from, from who's kind of already on there. Um, look, if he's to do it, it would need to be Sammy Pupo style. We fifth at Pipeline and then just watch the roll continue from there. If he doesn't come out of the gates at Pipeline, I, I, I worry that he'd be able to pull it together for the rest of the year. Um, so I guess it's a no, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he, he has, he comes out of the gate swinging. That's going to be, it's not really five events for me in watching Eli. It's sort of going to come down to one. And I think we'll, we'll know pretty quickly where he stands. Okay, interesting. I'm thinking about it the same way, but I, I actually give him three events. I give him Pipe, I give him Sunset, and I give him Super Tools. I think he might struggle at Bells and Margarets. But overall, I'm going to say yes. Like, I think everybody else is going Cole. I'm kind of switching Eli for Cole. And, and I actually didn't think that way maybe a week ago. But after seeing the work Eli's been putting in at Sunset specifically... I think he can get a keeper result out there. I think he can get a ninth. And I think he can keep himself on tour via that. So I'm going yes to Eli. And that brings us to Cade Matson. Um, all the things we talked about before. CJ said no. Brett said yes. With Keep in mind, Brett is also the Hurley team manager. So <laughs> there's um, probably a little bit of a conflict of interest there. Um, Stace, what do you say? I just think no, based on the experience of what I've seen Cade just throughout the last couple of years around the North Shore and, and you know, just those other locations. He just isn't, you know, as well, you know, toured as some of these younger kids, whether it be like having an older brother on tour or having a sponsor that takes you to these events or like getting a wild card spot, you know, in an event like Bells or just anything like that. It's nothing against his surfing. Uh, I just think it's his seed and, and you know, 
his experience around the world is probably going to be his weaknesses, and I think that might be... Again, like I said earlier, he can kind of come into this year almost like, you know, he deserves to be there without a doubt, but his whole year is like, he's coming in as like the 32nd seed or something like that. That is so tricky. So I think he's going to have, um, you know, a challenging year, but if he can look at it in in the light of like having all that time surfing against these big dogs... What have you got to lose? He's got nothing to lose. True. Okay. I'm also going to go no for all the reasons above. Uh, one other name that I want to bring up here, Stacy, because I actually think there's a decent chance that he gets to surf in the majority of, if not all of, the first five events of the season. The injury replacement wild card for 2024 is someone near and dear to both of our hearts. It's another big goofy footer who didn't get his shot last year because he injured himself at Pipeline prior to the event. But... Ramsey Bukayam, uh, he was the rookie that I was actually most excited about last year. I said he was going to win Rookie of the Year, and um, we didn't get to see him, unfortunately. But with Joao Chianka, from what I understand, still recovering from what was a pretty serious head injury at Pipeline in December, um, I think that Ramsey is going to get a run this year. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to throw his name on that list. Is that, uh, one, do you do you agree? Do you think he's going to get to surf? And two, how do you think he's going to fare, if so? Yeah, I haven't heard how Jiao's recovering, but I hope it's all good. Um, but for sure, was it was a heavy wipeout. I think, um, yeah, what's your question? I called him Rookie of the Year last year, just like you. So if he gets a start this year, um, I think the same thing again. <laughs> Wow, three big goofy foots this year joining the tour. That's pretty exciting. Um, yeah, it something is. Something that yeah. we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, and like with the addition of Fiji, like obviously coming off the cut, it goes Tahiti, Fiji. It's so good. Yep. So All right. So that's the men's side. Now moving over to the women's. Um, we have Sawyer, again, 18 years old, very young, but I'm sure with so much enthusiasm. Um, CJ is going to go no on her. Brett says yes. Stace? I'm going to say no just based on how hard the women's tour is um, to re-qualify. Um, I think if you look at surfers like Betty Lou Sakura Johnson and even like Sally Fitzgibbons, and it's gnarly. It's so, so hectic to just get a spot on the in the top 10. So she'll ruffle some feathers along the way. Like like you said, she's enthusiastic and she's a, she's a really good competitor. So it, I don't think it'll be like, you know, an absolute whitewash for her, but I think that... Um, I just think, yeah, the talent on the women's tour is super hard. And it's quite often you see this happen with the women. They, they come on for a year and then they come back stronger than next. So that's sort of where my head's at. Cool. I'm going to agree with you there. Uh, it's no for me on Sawyer. And then last but not least, Alyssa Spencer. CJ says yes. Brett finally says no. Stace? I'll say yes, just based on the fact that I think she could sneak a result of Pipeline and then kind of keep the role going on from there. And, yeah, I'm, like, baffled that you don't think that DMJs is a fun wave. It's not pipeline, but there's plenty of waves in California where you can get tubing lefts. And what they run the women's in uh, at pipeline often resembles, you know, yeah. We can get into the forecast next week, but, uh, you know, it's going to need to change (laughs) for it to look any better than DMJs. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not not talking about that. (laughs) She, She goes to Pasquale's all the time. Um, all the time. Whenever she's got time off, she's always down there spending a fuck ton on jet skis and getting it done. So, yeah. And it's one of those things too where you don't always see it filmed. So, 
it's kind of a bit of an insider track there. She's definitely getting pitted on the front side. Uh, backhand, heaps of work to do, without a doubt there. Um, I think most of the women do, particularly when you see them in the pool. Translating that to backdoor is not a thing, and we don't really get to see them go right anywhere else uh, in, inside the tube. So um, it's going to be all about the lefts for Alyssa Spencer. If she can come out the gate swinging there, I think she'll have a pretty good year. All right, I'm going to agree with you. I think she's making the cut as well. So those are our 2024 uh, rookie cut line predictions. Stace, one more thing. Um, your women's rookie of the year pick is pretty obvious. So let's uh, uh, What about on the men's side? Who you got? Jacob Wilcox for me. Um, even with Ramsey on, I don't know how they'll qualify that. Obviously, he didn't. Ramsey didn't surf an event, but neither did Liam, I don't think, the year that he got belted. But they said that last year wasn't his rookie season. So, yeah, tricky one there. Tricky there. Uh, I definitely think that should be amended, but hey, that's just my thoughts. Um, no, that's but just I think logic. Jacob... <laughs> yeah, correct. Uh, it used to be seven events, so I don't know where that changed. Seven events was a full two a year. Like, I remember it was Stewie Kennedy when he got third at Snapper and then was first reserve and then got onto a bunch of events, and it's like, okay, when do you become a full-time member? And it was seven. So, yeah, don't know where that changed. Um... But yeah, Jacob Wilcox for me, um, quite clearly, actually. I think he could have a huge year. Okay, I'm torn between Jacob and Crosby. My head says Jacob. Um, my wallet says Crosby. I'm betting for both on betonline.ag. The numbers work out that if I bet for both, that it's basically a hedge. And if one of them wins, I still come out largely in the black. So I'm going to be rooting for both of them this year. Um, if I have to pick one, I'll just go Crosby so so you and I can have some some point of difference and something to debate over throughout the year. So um, yeah, Crosby for me, Jacob for you. Those are our picks. And just before we go, Stacy, we're talking about the 2024 season. There's so many different storylines going on. Um, Let's just do a quick run through of who we think our top five men, our top five women, and our world titles are going to be. Uh, I'll go first. On the men's side, I've got Felipe, John, Ethan, Gab. And then the fifth spot, I'm torn between Griffin, Jack, and Yago. But I'm going to go ahead and give it to Griffin. So what about you? Yeah, it's really tricky. Uh, I think this year the top five, I mean, in no particular order, will be Gabriel... Philippe, Ethan, Griffin, Jack Robbo. Okay, so John's out. You don't think he's making the top five this year? Gee whiz. It's hard, man. There's so much talent in the men's store right now. It's like the best it's ever been, in my opinion. Can we just end the podcast now? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, let's go again. It's just baffling, like... I said it at the start of last year, there'd be two spots already taken up for the top five. <laughs> I think I said Philippe wouldn't even make it. I was like, Gabriel, John, and then I went all the youngsters. I went like Ethan, Griffin, Robbo. Um, and that definitely, definitely did not play out. Um, Gabriel looks like he's been training. He's had his coach over in Brazil. Andy King's been over there. He's, he's ready to rumble. John has obviously been surfing, pumping waves at home. And funnily enough, been looking, if you read his Instagram captions, he's been looking to add more speed and more power uh, with Pizel through his surfboards, which is just, yeah, I didn't think that was possible. Um, but yeah, Need to take a nap. Good, yeah, good on them. Um, <laughs> so I think, yeah, he, he's obviously looking fired up, ready to roll. Um, wow. Come on, just give us five. I'll sub Jack Robbo out for John Florence. Okay, from last year's picks. Okay, so that's... Wait, what about Gabby? Is Gabby in? 
Yeah, he's he's my number one. I guess I don't. I mean, I don't know if he'll finish number one, but he was the one I picked Got first. It. Okay, cool. All right, on the women's side, I have Katie, Molly, Caroline, Tyler, and Betty Lou uh, is sort of my new addition. And if you look at that list, if you take Tyler out of the mix, the average age is 19, which is just a kind of bigger picture of the state of women surfing right now. Like it's all in the youth, especially with Carissa leaving. Um, that older generation, you know, like Tyler and, and Steph, you know, they're they're hanging on, but I don't think it's going to be for too much longer because the girls are just so good. Yeah, spot on. The, the, the chicks are ripping. It's sick to watch. Um, I think I'm going to be pretty similar. Yeah, Katie, Caroline, Molly. And then I'm going to throw some new faces in there. Gabriella Bryan and Betty Lou Sakura Johnson. Oh, power packed okay i like that that's a good healthy five wow tyler out that's a big call she was really consistent last year but you know it's it, we've got a new wave right now and, and i could see that you know carrying these young surfers to the top so very interesting top fives last thing before we go stace we need to pick some world title winners my heart is telling me so many different things like i think like okay gab's got to come back strong this year john's got to come back strong this year um Griffin knows what he needs to do now, having had that experience. Ethan, like, you could easily see him winning after how he surfed last year. But then I'm like, got to use my head for this one. It's ending at Trestles. That's the only thing that really matters. And I just don't see anyone beating Felipe. So I'm going three-peat. Jordy Smith. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. There you go. <laughs> it's not 2011. <laughs> Kelly Slater. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, I've just got to go with a thought that I had in my head watching it live last year, uh, and I just thought that the way Ethan surfed and what he went through, uh, and you know how good he was looking, I would just thought to myself, "There's no way this kid doesn't win a world title in his career, and why not this year?" Ethan Ewing. Love it. All right, women's side. Um, Carissa's gone. Not that obviously she won the past two years anyway, but I think that removing her as like the overarching matriarch of the tour is going to totally change things, right? In terms of just like who actually is in the lead. I think the lead's going to change a lot this year. Who's in first place? I think it's going to bounce around between a few different women multiple times. Um, but going into lowers, uh, having had this experience already and having shown moments of brilliance there. I think Katie Simmers is going to get her first world title this year. Is it possible to not put Tyler Wright in my top five predictions but then pick her as the world champ? (laughs) 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 (sighs) Okay, the answer's probably no to that. Um, Marksy, back-to-back for me. Oh, huge call. Wow. Why is that? The ability to go left and right at Trestles I don't think has been fully maximized yet, and I think she'll be the one to do it. I take that back. Gabrielle went left and right and absolutely destroyed everyone. And I think that is kind of how lowers should Have be you won. seen the video that Katie put out recently that she her warming up for lowers? Um, yeah, you know, Katie's amazing. Like, don't get me wrong, she's my favorite surfer ever. But, well, I don't know. Just competitively, I think, you know, Marxie's looking kind of loose and fun and she's happy where she's at. Um, she's, you know, a little older than Katie and I think we'll probably... You know, could keep a could keep a cool head if, if things were you know needed to be that way. Um, but for sure, I see those two having battles forever, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Katie win maybe more titles in her career than Caroline. But I think Caroline looks pretty on at the moment, and 
going to go with her back to back. I would. I'm probably projecting way too much here, psychoanalyzing somebody who I don't know very well at all. But Caroline, I could see her not wearing the weight of a world title the way that some others might. Like I could see her going into this year, like I got my world title, like the monkeys off the back, and now I can kind of just loosen up. I don't know why I get that vibe from her, but I don't think she's going to be in a defensive mindset. That's like two events, and then you start seeing how much people don't want you to win, and then you just be that fired up, going, well, watch this, I'm going to win again, you bastards. Well, I guess I'm saying I think she could win because of that too. Like a lot of people would wear the the weight of a world title, you know what I mean, and that you're just in this defensive mode all year long, like, oh, I don't want anybody. But I think she's fine to hang in third place all year and just, you know what I mean, just sort of like cruise along and have some good events and a win here or there, but not necessarily have to be that Carissa figure where you're number one all year long, you know what I mean? And then you go into lowers and you're wearing the yellow jersey and you're the one to beat. Like, I don't think Caroline needs that. I think that she's fucking over the moon that she got a world title and she's like, I'll do it again, but, you know, I don't necessarily need to um, be this, like, crazy dominant, you know, force over the tour. I think she's happy to, um, like I said, just have a good year and then see how it goes at lowers. So, could go her way. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and win. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, wait. Good, good wrap up, Mikey. Wow, I'm um, fired up. Oh, how exciting is it? Like, I didn't realize how excited I was until I read this piece by Paul. Great job again, Paul. And then, um, yeah, just really started thinking about it for for myself. And now, like I said, we're about a week out from the start of the waiting period. It looks a little tricky, the forecast. But Stace and I will get into that more uh, next week in our pipeline preview pod. So thank you for your pick, Stacy. And uh, we'll talk in nine months and see how they pan out. Can't wait. Thanks, Mikey.